man, I, I, I hate that that phrase, and I hate when when individuals do that because it's not a game. I'm not here investing all this time in, into the program, into the fire service because it's a game. No, man, this is this is a way of life. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number 216. My guest tonight is Reginald McKnight, 41 years old, married, three children, played college basketball, currently a high school football coach. He has 16 years with Miami-Dade Fire Rescue, the last six years as a lieutenant, involved technical rescue, hazmat, you name it. He is a recruit, training instructor, a member of the tactical instructor crew. My brother, Reggie McKnight, it is my honor to have you on the scrap for episode number 216. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Chief, man. It's uh, definitely an honor to uh, to be on your show, man. Um watched quite a few uh, scraps and uh, never thought I'd be on here, but I'm um, definitely appreciative. Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited about the topics we have picked out, and I'm excited to get to the questions. Is there anything I missed, anything you'd like to add uh, to the intro? No, nah, I think that's pretty much uh, pretty much it. I mean, I'm a Rock pretty on, boring guy. Man. Go ahead. Sorry, I cut y'all. I said, no, I'm a pretty boring guy. Man. I just uh, go to work, coach football, and uh, cut my grass. That's it. I love it. Uh, is <laughs> a, uh, Audience, get your questions ready, uh, primed and ready. It's going to be a good time. Uh, there's going to be plenty to discuss. Quick announcements, as always. If you're not a member of the Vigilantes, you need to go and join. Go to firehousevigilance.com. Become a member of the Cool Kids Club. Uh, it's it's been a blast. We've got a forum coming up this week with Robert Ramirez uh, at the end of the week on Friday. The blackout, the black on black on black vigilante hat. Uh, they're not. You can only get them in the vigilante only store. They're not out yet. As soon as the shirts get in and the and the books come in from the printer, all of it will be available in the store. Uh, all that being said, and of course the vigilante after party, which Reggie has said he will join us today. He has agreed to come to the vigilante after party and be roasted by the vigilantes. So you can want to be a part of that. Go to firehousevigilance.com. And that takes us to the sponsors, Key Hose, the hose experts. Check them out online at keyhose.com. Follow them on Facebook. And, of course, the affordable drill tower, firefighter owned and operated. The only thing that you can't do on an affordable drill tower is live fire. Affordable drill tower. You can repel, stretch hose lines, go through the stairs, go through the floor, do window bailouts, cut holes in the roof props, use the apartment balconies, pump into the FDC, or flow water from the sprinkler system. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltower.com. Fire Station Furniture. Firestationfurniture.com provides a complete line of quality furniture for your firehouse. Firefighter owned and operated, they understand the strain that firefighters love to put on furniture and offer furniture that's built to last. Visit www.firestationfurniture.com for more information. And with that done, we've talked about the sponsors. We've done the intros. It's time to get into the meat of the scrap. Uh, Reginald? Yes, sir. I'm using your full name here. (laughs) I'm going to read what people are saying. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Comes from Andrew Borja. Uh, Cody Brooks says, I'm not sure what I've gotten into, but I'm here for the ride. <laughs> Caitlin Hughes already throwing questions. Good. That's great. Bobby Garcia says, let's go, Reggie. The way of the nozzle says, let's go. That's four O's, three exclamation point. 
Blue, my boy Blue from down in Texas says, let's go even more O's. Let's <laughs> Price. Okay, lots of let's goes. Even Australia checking in. Steve, my man from down under. Wow. You guys are checking in from Australia. Okay. Uh, man, tons of questions. So we're going to have questions to ask you. But we're going to start off by staying in your wheelhouse. What the re- One of the big reasons I wanted to talk to you was you're heavily involved in recruit training. Yes, sir. Specifically, how to train in today's the the – I don't want to say the landmines or the minefield of today's world, but yeah, that just today's the the younger generation. We got so much to talk about, but specifically, let's talk recruit training, how to train in today's world. Well, for us, we we've been uh we've been adapting to you know the newer generation per se. Um, uh, because I'm heavily in high school football, um, I get an opportunity to work with kids from all different areas. And I take that and I apply it to to uh, to recruit training. So one of the things we've done is we try to adapt. Um, we know this is a microwave society now. So, you know, we kind of try to shorten our lectures, uh, make it a little bit more fun. It's not so much uh, what I went through when I went through recruit training. Um, a lot of stuff we did is was because uh, maybe the instructors wanted to, you know, make fun of us and it was just a rite of passage. But a lot of things we do now, it's, it has meaning behind it. We want to be able to take a recruit um, and their first day in the field, it's an easy transition. So um, nice. we, we've changed a lot of things. we changed the physical fitness from, I like to term it as, we went from jailhouse workouts to now they're more uh, structured. Even um, even our first day, which is considered our our hell day per se, uh, we've got extremely structured in in, uh, in that format. So we've done a lot of things to adjust to today's generation, but not neglecting what we used to do and um, the things that, that that made the fire service what it is today. Absolutely, uh, a couple things. Is it? When you say you adapt the workouts, is there people that say you've just made it easier and softer, or is or, or is it just different? What, do you, what what's your answer to that? Uh, absolutely not. So when I when I was in recruit training, one of my instructors he was training for a marathon, so we ran ten miles a day, um, and eight to ten miles. So if you didn't keep up in the run, then you pretty much had a target on your back from the other instructors. Um, what we've done is we've broken it down to uh, five days. So on Mondays we uh, we lift weights and we do plyometrics. Nice. Tuesdays, we do gear workouts. Wednesdays, we do runs. Those are our run days. It can be a steady run, uh, no less than three miles, or it can be a combination of sprints that equal up to three miles or more. Thursdays, we do your CrossFits and your wads for all the CrossFitters. And Fridays, you know, we do swimming yoga. Yoga is an extremely popular, but um, – I wasn't a big fan of it, but after doing it, I can definitely see uh, its benefits. And the good thing about Fridays is we put our workouts or our PT at the end of the day to begin the recovering process leading into the weekend. Ah, okay. So normally during a week, Monday through Thursday, PT is the first thing that we do in the morning at uh, 0700. But on Fridays, we transition to PT being uh, at 1445. Uh up to 1545 and then they do the oath and the mission statement and then they're out the door by 1600. Nice. So you mentioned hell day, the first day, hell day. Uh, can you elaborate? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, Anything that's a trade secret, you don't want to give away to upcoming recruits. I get, but 
No, I think that man, listen, recruits they the way they communicate now with the you know, social media, WhatsApp groups, and all that stuff. They already know what's coming. They just okay. uh, when it actually hits them, um, they're they're still confused. It's it's just a series of events, uh, breaking them down and building them up. See who can who can uh, tolerate uh, the mental stress that we're about to put them through, the mental and the physical stress. So we do that for probably about um, the first hour. Then we get into a workout. It's a structured workout that we, for the last, I'll say, seven to eight classes we've been doing. It's a nice workout to judge whether this recruit has come in physically prepared. Um, And then we go over our recruit manual. And in the afternoon, there's another workout. But that one's in gear. So we're, you know, we're we're definitely testing them physically and mentally that day. The instructors are not participating uh, in that day. We're just in, pretty much drill sergeants that day. I love it. All right, yeah. you ready for? Are you ready for questions from the fire uh, from the from the audience? Let's let's go, Jake Deal. I like this question because it's on on topic right here that we're talking about. What are you looking for from the start to the finish of your recruitment PT? Uh, we're looking. We're looking. Uh, for me, I'm looking for someone who is, uh, you know, given 110% in that particular workout. You know, sometimes we can do workouts. Our, our classes are pretty large, so it could be anywhere from 40 to 60. So, you know, recruits can hide. But I'm looking for the one that's in the front no matter what, even if the workout is hard that particular day. But they're giving it all they got. You know, if if the workout required 100 burpees, um I don't really care if the person did 100 burpees, but 50 of them were, you know, excuse my my language, half-ass. I'm looking for the one that was only able to do 60, but they were 60 perfect burpees. Um, That's what I'm looking for. Um, uh, And trying to see if that person is actually getting better day in and day out from the workouts. Nice. That improvement? Yes. Like it, I like We're it. Definitely, uh, definitely looking for that that improvement. We 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 also implement. We have three PT evals, so we test them um, for the three months that they're in recruit training with us uh, once a month, and that's that way we can gauge objectively if somebody's actually physically getting better. Right. No, that's awesome. No, that is cool, especially the three the check in, like you said, objectively. Uh, Andrew Borrell wants to know: Do you have the workouts available online, or are they available anywhere? So we do actually we do something a little different um, than everybody else. When I when I initially got into recruit training, I um, allowed a, a good friend of mine to I say, hey, man, is your is your task? You're going to be the workout guy, design the workouts for us. Because before when I first got in recruit training, when I was a recruit, it was just an instructor that liked to work out that did the workouts. Well, right. after three, three months, the workouts become uh, the same you know, over and over again. That per- if that person likes to run, like I said, the, the instructor I had that was uh, training for a marathon, it was just long runs every day. Right. So a good buddy of mine, he he uh, put together a workout calendar for this one particular class. And I always get evaluations from the recruits at the end of the class. And we didn't get good evals as it pertains to the physical fitness. He was a CrossFitter. There was a lot of CrossFit workouts and it was only shoulders and arms. So after that, I was like, all right, we got to do something different. And I decided to come up with this particular template where we break it down into five days, which I just explained. And now I make every instructor responsible for coming up with 
workout. So each instructor gets their own week. So nice. if you're responsible for giving lectures, you're responsible for teaching practical skills. You're also responsible for working out. Every instructor that is in the cadre must be able to work out. Uh, we don't have instructors there that don't want to work out um, because, again, we're the first examples of what a firefighter should be for Miami-Dade Fire Rescue. And physical fitness is one of our main pillars. So each instructor has their own workout. Um, and it's pretty cool because you have one instructor that may be a CrossFitter, myself, I'm a runner. So the recruits get a well-rounded physical fitness program for 16 to 18 weeks. Some instructors may be a little, uh, their workouts may may not be as hard, but for that particular week, it may benefit the recruits. You know, if we're doing uh, two and a half host management, then um, it benefits the, the actual recruits. So we don't actually have a workout uh, booklet or calendar. It's all dependent upon each instructor. And a lot of instructors take it, to, you know, take it personal. I remember when uh, when Raymond was there, he turned it into Pride Week as if we were in high school football. So, like, it was, you know, rivalry week. So the recruits would put on uh, uh, I black, like they're football players. They would do chants. So I always tell the instructors, hey, personalize it and make it your own because um, this is your particular week. Oh, man, I love it. A, the personal example you require them to set by saying you have to work. Uh, B, man, the ownership of having to create their own and then giving them that freedom, that autonomy to build it into that, man. Yeah. I love that, brother. I absolutely love that. Um, so thank you, Andrew, for that question. Great question. And I understand the answer now. It's different each time because it depends on the instructors that are involved. And they yeah. can change it from from from, from academy to, to academy. Yeah. Yes. And uh, one of the things we do, though, before we roll it out, if it's a workout that's never been done before, we test it out as instructors. Hey, man, this may be a little bit too much. Hey, man, you need to add a little bit more. Hey, this is just right. Love it. Love it. Uh, I will. Okay, lots of questions. Lots of questions coming at you, Reginald, so I'm just going to keep pulling them up. Uh, okay. I'll get to all of them, but I'm going to try and stay on recruit training and stuff at the beginning here. Eric Molinax asks, what is your advice on corrective actions in the new era for new recruits and rookies on the job who don't do the little things both around the station and as recruits in academy training? So I'm big on leading by example. So if you have uh, a recruit or a probie that's not doing the little things, are you doing the little things? Or are you just telling them to do little things? Um, so that's big for me. Um, and you have to find out, you know, what gets this particular individual going. Um, do they like the job? Do they love the, do they love the job? Because some people walk into this, this profession, they may like it. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, when you're dating, you don't instantly love the person that you're dating over time, you develop that love. So if that's the case, take that particular individual and show them why you are so passionate about the job, why you love the job. And this is why the little things matter. And I'm definitely big on the little things. So just, you know, lead, lead them, lead them by example. Love it. I love it. Uh, thank you for the question, Eric. Going through them here. Paco, uh, man, CEO Carlin. Paco says, I might have missed it. How is your cadre put together, and how long does a cadre stay together? Um, I had a pretty, good, a pretty good cadre. We stayed together for quite a while. I want to say we probably did at least 10 classes together. Maybe um, 
a turnover of, you know, two to three instructors per class. Um, and the way we select our cadre is based, based on your, your reputation. Um, we, we were big on certifications at first. You had to have a certifications. When I first got into recruit training, it was a certain amount of certifications. Now we've pretty much gotten away from it. Um, I think part of that is because when I, when I first got there, your instructor, um, you know, you barked orders and that was it. When I was given the opportunity to be a lead instructor, it was like, Hey, we're going to bark orders, but we're going to do them as well. We're going to lead by example. So everything we're actually the recruits to do, we got to do them too. If um, recruits are getting 25 pushups for uh, a mistake and it's constant, um, um, I have this saying where you're either teaching it or you're allowing it to happen. So, we we're going to do the pushups too. And maybe something, maybe it's something that we're doing or not doing. Um, so our cadre is selected based on reputation um, and based on their skill set, And we pretty much stay together for a while. We've been having a little bit of turnover now because of course, firemen, we got into this profession because uh, one of the, one of the reasons why we got into this profession is because of the schedule. And our recruit training is now on a 40-hour uh, schedule. Right. Um, but we're looking to uh, tap into something something new. I'm not sure if anybody has done it, but we're looking to uh, to change the schedule and recruit training. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Well, hey, it would be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah. Very interesting. Because that is a problem, getting people to want to work the 40-hour work week and go into training. I mean, that's a problem everywhere. Oh, Listen. And it's, then finding a way to get them out when when they've done their stint, you know, depending yeah. on the size of the department. Well, yeah, we kind of we kind of burn guys out because our we're we're pumping out classes left and right. Um, sometimes two classes at the same time, so um, it's, it's it's extremely tough to keep good instructors for a long time, quality instructors. And the instructors are what drive the program. It's not the curriculum. It's not the chiefs. It's not, it's the instructors. Right on. And and the key is to get good instructors, not certified uh, firefighters who are instructors, but good instructors. So I don't care if they're certified or not. Um, do, do they have a passion uh, for the fire service? Do they have a passion for teaching? That's key too, you know. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, and the audience is, is throwing some killer questions. They're, 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 they're flying at you. Yeah. And you're, you're crushing it so far. Thank you, Paco. Uh, pulled up more. Jake Deal wants to know, do you have recruits quit? And if so, how do you handle that? In 2023, what do you see as the most challenging reality to new recruits? Uh, yes, we have recruits quit. Um, we're three weeks into a new class. I just had a recruit quit um, in week two. Um I respect it when they quit because this job is not for everybody, especially, you know, when they quit earlier. One of the things that I've found or that I've been able to see um, is it's just the physical fitness aspect of it. They, they just can't, they can't keep up. And I think in society, if if you go all the way to, to grade school, you know, kids are doing PE online. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that's about, but um, so when they get to the fire service, you know, I'm big on physical fitness. I have a physical fitness background, not so much, um, you know, a degree in it, but I play sports all my life. So I'm, right. I'm big on being physically fit. And so they, they, they can't handle it. Um, I always ask them, you know, if they're sure, but I always remind them that, um, it's going to get harder. 
Um, so don't look for it to actually get easier. And uh, when, when they quit, I'm I'm not upset because that's somebody we probably we probably saved their life. You know, right, right. Or the life of people counting on them. Absolutely, no, ab- absolutely. I love I love it. Woo, yeah. Thank you, Jake. I like this question. Does Captain Gustin ever come out and show them up? That's a motivator right there. He's a legend. Oh man, uh, he he never shows them up. But again, he's one of those he's one of those individuals. He leads by example. When you walk in the gym after quitting hours, Captain Gustin is in the gym. Mm-hmm. When you get to work, he's already there. Um, and so this guy is still uh, the epitome of what of what a, a firefighter should be. Um, so he, he always good. speaks to the class, man. He, he I, I call him the um, the Michael Jordan on the fire service. He is to me. You know? I think he is to a lot of people, brother. I, I really do mean that. Uh, yeah, it's well-deserved. Uh, Caledonia Fire asks, do you get kickback from other instructors or higher-ups if they are tired during the day in training because of the workouts and whatnot? Oh, uh, is that for the recruits being tired? I don't know. I don't. I, he didn't specify. I'm guessing he meant does if the instructor's tired. Uh, my instructors are really good, man. Um, I don't. I can't recall an instructor, you know, complaining about being, about being tired. And again, we we're careful about who we select. Right. Um, if we do get somebody that that's complaining about um, being tired, then that's the individual that that shouldn't be there, because again, I'll, we can't exercise empathy for a recruit. If a recruit is in gear all day, but we're not. Right. We're just in BDUs and a T-shirt. So when that recruit has gone through a workout, has gone through multiple skill stations, and now we're yelling at them because um, they just can't grasp one particular skill, did we do the same thing to understand, all right, hey, man, there's probably probably a time where we need to take a break. So gotcha. we do a good job of uh, allowing recruits to, to get breaks. Our class sizes – is beneficial for them as far as break wise, not, not skill set wise, because sometimes we'll have 10 to 12 recruits at a skill station. And um, once one or two recruits go, you have to wait for another 10 to go. So that's their break and rest and recovery time right there. Built into the size of the class. They were asking about the recruits. Do you ever get pushback because the recruits are tired? No, my, my, my chiefs are extremely uh, supportive. The recruits, I mean, they know at the end of the day, um, I always, you know, I joke and I say, hey, you guys going to sleep good tonight because we literally um, start work at 6 a.m. They're they're walking in the door. They're checking out the trucks. They're setting up skill stations. And we don't stop till 1600. I mean, we push it all the way to 1600. So we maximize the time. Oof, yeah, I love it, man. Uh, trying to get through. I'm trying. I'm looking at the questions. What qualities? Timothy James. Dickinson, Timothy James Ramsey Dickinson. That's a long name, but I got it all in there. (laughs) Timothy James is asking you, what qualities and qualifications would you say make a high-valued instructor? Uh, Number one for me would be passion. Um, I always tell new instructors who come in, if you're not passionate amongst this particular group, amongst this cadre, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. One, you got to be passionate. If you're passionate about teaching and relaying the information to the students, um, you're going to be great. Um, the, the second thing is you have to be a student yourself. I always tell my chiefs when we're getting class on top of class, class on top of the class, how are the instructors getting better? I'm not getting better because I taught SCBA 10 times. I'm actually becoming complacent 
So you have to build in time where I can go out and the instructors can go out and seek training. Um, so that's key. So I love, uh, I love that passion. Also being a student, um, uh, your, your, yourself and, uh, man, just loving, uh, what we do, you know, the, the fire service, like, uh, at the end of the day, uh, there's, there's a quote I always tell my nephew, Hey, keep the main thing, the main thing, whether you're an instructor, whether you're a TRT, whether you're asthma, at the end of the day, you're a firefighter. Right on. So the main thing, the main yeah. thing. Sorry, I'm taking a lot of notes. No, no. <laughs> hey, you are sliding slowly off the screen, so I don't know if you can tip oh, the camera down. Right. No, no, I just don't want to lose you. All Sam, right. Sam will keep you in frame, but uh, if you could only teach one skill in recruit training, what would it be? If you were, if you had to do a an only question, one skill. Uh, if you only get to teach one skill. What would it be? It would be um, mirrorized firefighting. Multifamily dwelling fires. Yep. Above ground. I love it. There you it, go. It requires, it requires teamwork. It, you know, um, the, the water supply tactic and the actual uh, uh, deployment of the attack line. Um, big, I, I love mirrorized firefighting. Bobby Garcia wants to know, when you first came to recruit training, who was someone that you looked up to and why? Uh I think every instructor that was there when I was in, when I when I was actually a recruit, I told myself that I would I would one day be a recruit recruit training instructor. Um, one because I I love the fact that my first instructors that I encountered they were extremely passionate about the job is one of the one of the reasons why I'm able to sit here before you now. Um, and then two, I saw some instructors that had some poor qualities, and I was like, all right. I think they would have probably got gotten through to uh, most recruits had they taken another approach. Um, so that was big for me. So every, every instructor that that uh, I taught with or that taught me um, was big for me. Nice. I love it, man. Um, Paco C.O. Carlin says, how big is the drill ground? Do you share the drill ground with other departments or PD or anybody else, or is it strictly yours? No, this is uh, strictly ours, and I want to say we're we have about uh, two acres. Um, we do share it with ops, but it's our drill ground, so we don't share it with a college or anything like that. So nice. we can pretty much do whatever it is we want to do. I like this question. Uh, what drill? This comes from Jake Deal. What drill do you do that you think has the most benefit for team building? Team building. Uh, that's a good one. Um, they don't we, they don't throw easy questions. They yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess when we do for team building, when we do uh, hose management for high rise firefighting, um, because it requires two teams, one uh, one crew that's on the floor below and then one that's on the actual fire floor. So that's always a skill station that um, we can tell if the recruits are actually working together or they're not um, depending upon if they're, they're yelling at each other by right. the time the drill is over. Right. Um, so that's a good team building one because you actually have to work together and you don't have an opportunity sometimes to see uh, everybody that's on the line. No, that communication. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Steve Kaiser wants to know, how do you manage the workout so as to avoid injuries and not affect the quality of skills training? Uh, great question. So depending upon what we are actually teaching that day, um, PT does not, does not we, we won't prioritize PT over actual skills. So two and a half is one of those days where we know that the recruits are going to get a beat down. So we scale back the actual uh, PT. Nice. Um, again, all the workouts are, are tested out prior to. So that's uh, another way that we, we minimize injuries. Um, and again, I got to say it, man, the, I think the yoga and swim has helped us out tremendously where, um, you know, we have pavement on our training grounds. There's, there's, there's no grass, actually none. It's all pavement and rocks. And so um, the running and the movement on, on the grounds the going up and down the stairs, it takes a toll on the joints. So Friday with the, the, the yoga and the swim, um, I, I believe that has helped us uh, tremendously. Cut down those injuries? Yes, sir. That was with you. Like when they when they brought in a yoga instructor at one point, we still don't do it anymore. But and at the time I was like, well, we're not doing yoga. We're a bunch of firefighters, you know, <laughs> but it was it was a it was tough. Like yeah. it, it was strenuous. Yes. Uh, and B, it was probably uh, beneficial. I can't prove it with a, you know, <laughs> but um, I'm trying to figure out. Jake has a question. Is there a reward or something? To that, or uh, okay, I think I got it. Jake says, "Is there a award or something of that nature for your top recruit?" Yes, we give um, at graduation. We give out outstanding recruit. Um, we don't talk about the awards throughout the you know throughout the training um, amongst the instructors. We always discuss, man. Hey, this this particular individual is doing really well. Like they 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 get it, and so in the end, we vote. The recruits don't vote as instructors. We vote on it. Um, we probably narrow it down to three, and we say, "All right." Who do you guys think is the uh, most outstanding uh, recruit? Beautiful. Timothy James Ramsey Dickinson says, what are some of the training scars you've recognized and how do you try to mitigate them? We can't always get away from them transitioning from the academy to the fire floor. Um, training scars, uh, man, mannequins. You know, um, it, it pisses me off when I see a recruit uh, – grab a mannequin by the neck. Um, so what we've done to combat that is we purchase hockey mask. And now uh, we're going to use live victims. It'll be the instructors. And, and in order for the instructor not to get beat up in the face, right. just wear the, the hockey helmet and mask. Um, so that's probably one of the, the biggest things. The other thing is because our training grounds, we have about H, uh, three main structures that we use. And so they get complacent. They know where the living quarters is. They know where the master bedroom is. So we, we try to, uh, through our, um, one of our chiefs, uh, one of our chiefs and our captains, we have a choir structure program. So whenever we can take the recruits off the training grounds, uh, we try to take advantage of that to, to get them to, to run the same drills, but at a different structure, because I saw that on with one particular class, man, on the training grounds, they were doing fine with pulling the lines. And then we went off site and they couldn't do it. And I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. Right. And so uh, we started implementing uh, off site training whenever possible. 
So nice. if we have, we have some acquired structures that we can go ahead and utilize. We'll definitely do that. We also utilize some of the the structures that are in um, the particular territory of the training the, the training facility. Um, so whenever we have certain topics, I use the example inch and three quarter. At the end of inch and three quarter, we do two things: we do evolutions. So whatever skills they've learned up until that point, they have to apply them um, in a particular evolution. Of course, we can't use 40 recruits for an evolution. So the other half, we're taking them around the city and we're just deploying dry lines. Hey, here's your fire right here at this particular structure. Deploy the line there. So that's been that's been helpful for us as well. Nice, nice. No, just changing the floor plans up and getting yeah. them out of the out of the comfort, the complacent zone. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, try it. Yeah. We're going to, do you have a search maze in any of your stations or yeah, at any of your, I'm guessing the training ground station, the drill stations, do you have a search maze? We have, we do have a, we do have a maze. Um, the, our maze is actually a performance objective that you have to pass. Um, we just did it uh, last week. If you okay. can't pass the uh, actual maze and we can, we can conform our maze into to 10 different courses so we give them a beginner level course uh, again every instructor that that is there has gone through the maze we strategically place instructors throughout the maze during the testing just in case we have a uh, an emergency um, but the recruits must make their way through the maze um, they have to complete it on air nice uh, I like this question. Bobby Garcia asked, he says, for firefighters who love the job, it becomes a bit obsessive. And you're a father. You have to be married. You're a high school football coach. Uh, how do you balance life, work, and family? Man, excellent question. Uh, talk about it. Uh, Bobby was the class leader of the last class that just graduated. Very nice. Um, very nice. So I'll use you, use you as an example, Chief. Um, okay. I'm scared. Go ahead. Um, uh if if I if I talk to people about you, they're just like, man, he's a he's a great he's a great firefighter, great chief. It's like, all right, man, give me the qualities that make him a great firefighter, a great chief. All right, great. Um, and if he's if he's lacking in his personal life, I always tell my guys the same attributes that make you a great firefighter can make you a great husband, a great friend, a great father. And so what we have to do is. Um, take those same attributes and just apply them to our, our family and those relationships. Because if we're a good husband, a good dad, it just makes life at the job a lot easier. Um, and so you just have to map out those times. You know, we're, we're, we're good with, with staying on schedule. You do the same thing. Hey, um, Here's the time that we're we're going to go out. We're going to spend time together as a family. Same thing with the wife. Uh, same thing with the kids. Um, don't allow the, the the job to to be to become. Don't be don't don't let the job take over your life. Right. Um, you definitely have to have that balance and lean on the close friends that you have in the fire service. We have to be reminders. Uh, to each other to say, all right, hey, man, it, it, it's time for you. You should be spending some more time with the family. I do it with my instructors all the time. And, and we have this little thing going on where I always say, all right, hey, man, it's time for us to thank the people that have allowed us to be good at this job. 
mm. because they're making a sacrifice for us, you know. Um, so let's make sure that we make a sacrifice for them. I love the answer, man. I love it. Absolutely. Great answer. Great advice. That comes from the Timothy who asked the question. Great question, Timothy. Thank you for it. Uh, Caitlin Hughes asked this one earlier. What is your favorite part of being a firefighter? Favorite part of being a firefighter? Man, everything, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I when, when I was growing up, I, you know, I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player, but nobody told me I was – you know, I was five foot ten and a hundred, you know, one hundred and sixty pounds. You know, soaking wet. Um, but I feel like, you know, I'm a professional athlete um, because the kids who I coach, you know, they are always asking me about the job. Um, um, I get to do interviews like this with you. Uh, so, uh, man, just I, I, I guess if I had to narrow it down to something, it's. It's the ability to affect change. And what I mean by that is it's almost like a like a superpower. Whenever I whenever I run a call, whenever I'm teaching, I have the opportunity to affect somebody's life in a positive manner. And I try to take advantage of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I think that's so cool, man. We 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 can we can literally uh, be Superman. Sometimes we fail, but I think that that's cool because everybody doesn't get an opportunity to do that. Um, everybody doesn't have the skill set to be able to do that. Um, so I, I guess being being able to affect uh, affect change in a positive manner is, is probably one of the, the best things I love about the job. I love that. I love the answer. I just keep every answer. I'm like, I love that. That's a great <laughs> answer. Uh, how much thermal imaging camera training do your recruits get? That comes from Andrew Borgia. Um, minimal, not a lot. We introduce them to the to the ticks, uh, we spent about half a day to one day on it, and that's it. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time, um, and it's because they don't have an opportunity to. They don't work with the ticks a lot out there in operations. M- most of the time, it's the officer. Officer. So again, we try to prioritize every topic that we're teaching, and that's just not at the top of the priority list for us. Sure. No, makes sense. Uh, Jake Deal, I like this question, actually. Out of all the drills during the academy, which do you think is the most important or which one has the most impact to your recruits? And I know the most questions are tough at times. Yeah. They, they uh, all work together. I know, you know, it's I, all the process, but. Um, well, you know, I, I want to say every every drill is important, you know, because it all depends. But the one I, I want to say that hit homes the most for us is five-round survival mm-hmm. um, because – we really push the recruits to the max physically after we do the skills, the skill stations are fun, but the final evolution, we call it fight to survive. Um, and it's basically a combination of one of our, our difficult courses in the maze, um, which simulates a collapse. And then they encounter a hose line that was in it in a large warehouse and they have to, uh, find the coupling and go in the right direction to make sure that they're heading out of the structure. But while they're heading out of the structure uh, on that charge hose line, they're encountering more obstacles and, and it really maxes them out. And in the end, we do line of duty death presentations. So the four skill stations that we did, those particular skills were taught because of line of duty deaths. Right. 
Um, so that really hits home. And then when the recruits, the ones who are unsuccessful um, in the final evolution, one of the things I think hits home with them is we started saying, all right, hey, man, you you did not make it. You died. We need you to write a letter to your loved ones. Mm. And, uh, man, that really that really hits home. Um, but in the end, because that week we call it survival week because we're doing writ and fireground survival in the same week. So I think that's really when, and it's, and it's at the end, that's really when we, we capture a lot of our recruits. Nice. No, I love it, man. I love the, the line of duty death implementation. The letter is amazing. Uh, just to drive home the point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Jake Dill said it. I love it. You're backing up the why. Uh, coming at you, Eddie Rivera wants to know. Hope you like all these. This is like you're getting a ton of questions going at you, my brother. <laughs> no, man, it's, gr- it's great, man. I'm How do you revitalize discipline, motivation, or purpose in a mid-level firefighter, the five to six-year guy that is becoming complacent and slipping in their performance? Um, I tell the recruits this all the time, man. Motivation runs out, but I also explain to them just like. Um, you feed your body food when it's when, when you know when you're hungry or you drink water when you're thirsty. You have to do the mind the same way. And so that's one of the reasons why I'll watch your podcast, other podcasts. I'm always looking for um, motivational things on my drive to work in the morning just to feed my mind and my spirit. Now, again, there's a bunch of days I don't feel like doing it, but the key is got to have discipline above everything else. You got to. Um, you have to develop that discipline. You have to learn how to do things when you don't want to do them. I tell my kids, I don't like paying a mortgage every month, but I got to do it. Right. You know? um, and so you have the uh, discipline. Implement discipline right away. And that's what we do in recruit training. Motivation, that's great. Sometimes you'll be able to motivate some people. Sometimes you can't. Um, the other thing is, man, we have to surround those individuals um, with people uh, that are extremely motivated and that are that are extremely disciplined. So when those individuals fall into that, I'll ask you, all right, what 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 are their surroundings? Who are they working with? Where are they working at? Um, because when you're around uh, guys who are highly motivated, man, it's extremely difficult to fall into complacency because they won't allow you. Right. No, I love the answer. Lot of, lot of stuff coming on, <laughs> on recruit training and everything, but we also want to talk about leadership, how to be better leaders, keys to leading. I wanted to get to this topic with you because I love discussing leadership, but you have a take on it and I want to hear it. Uh, leadership for me is just, you know, leading by example, you know, leading by example, Everything that you're asking somebody to do, I think you should be able to do it. I think you should be doing those things. Um, leadership is, is is always evolving. You're always learning. I don't think you ever reach the mountaintop of leadership. Hey, man, mm-hmm. I'm a great leader, and that's it. I think it, it, it's it's something that we're we're learning how to get better at each and every day. Um, find people who exemplify the leadership qualities that you want to exemplify. Um, uh, maybe there are some people that you don't, un- 
you don't understand why they lead that way, but hey, man, talk to them. You may have different leadership styles. So I, you know, I think I'm more I'm a, I'm more of a leader that um, I'm not extremely uh, you know rough. You know, I I try to adapt to the to each individual. But there's some leaders that man, they're hard set on man. This is how I am. You either deal with it or you know don't be around me. But I think that quality is necessary at certain points in time. And so I think you need to uh, have an open mind about the leaders that you really don't agree with their leadership style um, because you may have to adopt some of their qualities. So, um, you know, take classes on leadership, read books on leadership. Um, but you also, man, it, it, every, every day in your life, you have to um, focus on being a, a, a good leader, even, even at home, you know, right. when you're asking your wife, you know, why, or why, did, why does she do this? Or, you know, are you exemplifying those, those things that you want her to, uh, to do? So right. I think leadership is, is it's every day, man. Have to attack it. it every, every single day. No, and it ties right back into, like you said, the, the leadership you show to the recruits by leading by example, it ties right back to it. Yep. Uh, the new generation, you deal with them a lot because you you said you've been through about 10 classes now and they're pretty big classes, 30 to 60 a pop. Yes. Yes, sir. Man, that's, that's a lot. You've, you've been exposed to a lot of the new generation. Um, have you, have you identified, uh, is there key characteristics that you can identify, especially, I don't, I, I don't even know the type of question I'm asking, like who's going to be successful and who's not, uh, things that, that you've identified. Um, I haven't, you know, really narrowed it down to, you know, I guess I, I can kind of tell who, who's going to be, who's going to be good. But I also, you know, I also remind the recruits too, like, I know if you're playing a game. So I guess that one stands out. The one that okay. comes to recruit training that's playing a game, man, I, I, I hate that, that phrase. And I hate when, when individuals do that um, because it's not a game. I'm not here investing all this time in, into the program, into the fire service because it's a game. No, man, this is this is a way of life. This is a culture. Um, so we always say embrace the culture. Um, so the, some people, I, I I pretty I pick up on right away. The other ones I can say like, oh, that one's going to be really good. And then I also tell them, what you do here. Is you know it's great. You're successful here. I want to see you in five years. Right on. You know I don't want to see recruit training because I have on this red shirt. You're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. When you're on probation, you're worried about losing your job. You're going to do exactly what you're supposed to do. Five years from now, uh, when nobody's watching, who are you then? Hmm. Um, so that's that that's that's big for me. I love it. Uh, and they they corrected me very quickly. He's done twenty classes. Twenty classes. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry, I said ten. But no, absolutely. Um, the audience is on top of it. Uh, purpose. Why are you a firefighter? I want to. I want to hear the purpose. Oh man, um, I think you know this is God's purpose for my life. Uh, I didn't grow up wanting to be a firefighter. I had no idea about firefighting. Nothing like that. Um, Again, like I told you, I wanted I wanted to be a professional a professional athlete, um, but not for the not for the money. Uh, when I was playing basketball, like I and I truly love basketball. So younger in my life, I 
I, I learned to chase purpose and not money. So I'm never driven by by uh, by money. Um, and firefighting came came along when I was in high school. They had posters placed around the high school, um, but I, I ignored it because I was going off to play basketball. And then basketball didn't work out. I came back home and I went to sign up to be a firefighter. I'm like, ah, man, this is what I do. And I was like, ah, I'm going to do it because I don't want to work behind a desk. That was my biggest thing, you know? And so when I went uh, to go, I told my mom, hey, look, I'm going over here. My mom was like, no, you know, wh- what are you doing? You, know, you don't need to be a firefighter. You need to be a correction officer. And my mom, she, she doesn't, she didn't know at the time because I grew up in a boys and girls club. So my mom was a single mom. My my uh, my dad was was murdered before I was born, and so all of the men that helped raise me at that boys and girls club were correction officers. They were really really good really good uh, mentors for me. So my mom was like, ah, "No, that's what you're gonna do." And I was like, "I don't want to do that." And you know, I joke where like you you said your goal was to keep me out of prison, but you're sending me to prison to be a correction officer. So. Um, uh, she talked me out of it, really. And I went and worked for the local boys club where I grew up. And I was like, all right, I'll be a mentor. But And, man, my mom ran into a friend that she went to high school with. And he told her that, you know, he was a firefighter. He asked about me. And, and uh, my mom was like, yeah, Reggie wanted to do it. But I told him no. And then he was like, oh, give me a second. So he came back and he showed my mom his paycheck stuff. And so then my mom was like, hey, you need to be a firefighter. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to be. A, you, you know, you talked me out of it. And uh, just so happened that Miami Davis had opened up and I filled out the application process. And because of the, the job I was on, I was extremely disciplined. What was beneficial at the time, too, was I didn't have to be to work until 2 p.m. All of the appointments that I had was always in the morning. Um, had the appointments, had I had to be to work at, you know, eight or nine in the morning, I would have never went to the appointments because I was big on never missing work. And so I was able to, to, to make it to all the appointments. And then, man, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here, here now. And this the rest is, is history. Yeah. This is exactly where um, I should be, man. Um, everything happens for a reason, man. I everything, everything happens for a reason, man. I, 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 I tell, I tell everybody, man, I don't know if this sounds sad, but I can't see myself doing anything else. This is my hustle. Like, I don't, I don't want to do anything else. You know, uh, I have the ability again to, to affect change. I have the ability to, to, uh, to work with all different type of people, man. I love what I do. I, I, I don't wake up in the morning and say, man, I got to go to work. I, I don't feel like going to work today. It's never like that. My body may be tired, but mentally, no. Nah. I love it. He's killing it, brother. Uh, Christopher Armadre has a long question for you here, but he boils it down at the end, so there's a lot of setup for it. But I like this question. It says, uh, we always talk about leadership and leaders and finding or seeing who the leaders are, even in academy. Can you see the followers? How do you recognize the followers? Those who are smart enough to just follow for now and are patient enough to become great leaders when the time is right. What do the best followers look like to you? Um. The best followers look like to me the ones that when when they're given an order they execute it. Um, I would say 
we have we we have a we have a recruit training program, and then we have our probationary development program. Um, every individual instructor that's in our probationary development program, I would say they are being great followers right now because myself, along with a couple other instructors, we um, we came up with a new program for our probationary development uh, office. And the five individuals that we have in that bureau now is executing the plan to perfection. Um, and so identifying a great follower is those individuals that whatever the mission is, they're about the mission and they're going to execute it. They're going to make the leader look great. Whether the plan is good or not, they're going to execute it. That For me, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great follower. That's a great answer. That is a great answer, man. And a beautiful question to lead into. Yeah. One of my favorite questions that I ask on the scrap, which is book or books that you think firefighters should be reading. doesn't have to be a firefighting book. It can be. But is there a book or books that you think I'm always looking for new books to read? So I love asking this question. Um, Atomic Habits is a good one. Uh, that's a that's a that's a really good book. Um, Man, I got to. Atomic Habits is one of my favorites. I do love. Yeah, that. yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a great book. A book I just read that was awesome for me, man, was Perfectly Wounded by by uh, Mike Day. Perfectly Wounded. Uh, 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 Navy Seal. Yeah. Yeah, that was sh- that was shot twenty seven times and survived. Woo. Man, it, his the book is so great because this is. I tell I tell recruits this all the time. This is why what you go through in life, you should never complain. You should always embrace even the heart. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna get uh, a little a little religious uh, here for a second. All right. Uh, there's a Bible verse that I live by, James uh, in James one, chapters two through four, verse two through four. It says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, when you encounter trials and tribulations of many kind." That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. So God is basically saying when you're going through trials and tribulations, he wants you to consider it pure joy. Now, that's extremely difficult when you're in the midst of that. But the, the, the book, Perfectly Wounded by Top, man, the things he went through in his life, um, they were they all had a purpose. And it got him to the point where he was he a... Was, uh, he was able to survive. And man, his story is, is an amazing testimony. Um, I love it, man. No, I'm going to check that out then. Cause I, I like it when someone's passionate about a book and you're very passionate about that book. Yeah. So I'll have to check him out. Uh, which that takes us to one of my favorite parts of the scrap, and it's the five questions for firefighters. It's been okay. going on for over 200 episodes, and we've had to change the questions up just because, you know, after they've been answered for a while, there's nothing new to answer. <laughs> so we're currently at the five questions for firefighters, version 3.2. So I'm basically asking you, Reggie, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters, version 3.2? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. I, now, the, the rules are this. There are no right or wrong answers. It's just your opinions. Uh, the audience and myself are the ones who hand out the points okay. uh, and it's uh, completely arbitrary. So here we go. Number one, what is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career? The skill, uh, work ethic. 
Not no, not even close, man. I, I I tell people all the time, you'll run into people that work with me, uh, well, people that yeah, people that have worked with me, and they'll say, man, hey, Reggie, man, Reggie's a great firefighter. We've never even we've never even had a fire together, but it's my work ethic um, that I think uh, has uh, caused them to say, hey, yeah, man, he, he's a great guy. So my my work ethic is 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 the one. Love it. That's an easy max points. Uh, A, because earlier you said motivation will run out, but discipline keeps you going. That discipline is tied to that work ethic, man. Uh, Absolutely. I love consistency and the answer. All right. I love this new question. It's job town. And and there's like boom sauce, max points from Aaron Johnson. Jake Deal said max point. Adrian Ballard said max points. So it's not just me. <laughs> you get max points across the board, maxed out, max points for the quick response and reasoning. Uh, Josh Everett's gave you max. Okay. Uh, number two, it's job town. It's time. You're in route and responding. You got to think of the scene from Backdraft where he's putting the tape in the tape deck because uh, we're both old enough to remember tape decks. <laughs> uh, he slaps it in there. What song are you playing in route? Easy. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a football coach, uh, former football player as well. Phil Collins, the air tonight. Oh, yeah, the drum. <laughs> Easy. I like it. I like it. Especially the drums, the, 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 the breakdown. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that gets me fired up. That's easy max points. So, uh, yeah, I'm not even waiting for the audience to chime in on it because of the drum breakdown. Um, number three, what is – yeah, Bobby Garcia said, Max, I need to see you do the drum solo. <laughs> All right. Uh, number three, what is your favorite fire service tradition? So I'm, I guess I'm going to say, for me, it was, it's, it's dinner, but then also, um, I guess, off shift, I used to have this discussion with my, my battalion chief um, uh, every morning. So I'm guessing it's – the talks at the at the dinner table, dinner of course, um, but I used to have these discussions with my battalion chief. He's a, you know, he's a, a a guy from 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 West Virginia, and I'm from, you know, the inner city of, of Miami, and um, we still talk to this day, and we still keep in contact to this day. He always he always sends me a text. I always check up on him. So the dinner table, that 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 tradition, the discussions we have there, the laughs that we have there, you know, the rumors that we talk about there. Sure. Uh, it's the it's the firehouse dinner table. Easy, man. Easy max points to the dinner table, man. No doubt about it. And and staying in touch. And and it's the different back I've told people this all the time. I've met people that if I'd met them in any other way, shape, or form, we would have nothing in common. We would not be friends. But yep. they're some of my best friends in life because Absolutely. of the time we spend together and that dinner table. Uh, absolutely love it. Uh, number four, this one we had to put on the clock because it was taking too long to answer. So it's on the clock. Sam, you can see the clock up above me. Uh, and uh, I'll put you on the clock, but you get to put four people. Who would you put the four people you would put on your Mount Rushmore of the fire service? And go. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, John Norman. I got an opportunity to meet him uh, at uh, FDIC. Um, uh, his brashness is uh is pretty cool, but when, when he seems brash, but when you talk to him, he, he's a really cool guy. Um, the next one would be the late uh, Chief Brunacini. His approach to serving hood, serving the public, is amazing. I love it. Of course, the Michael Jordan of uh, of uh, firefighting, 
Captain Bill Gustin. Love it. And the fourth one, I'm going to kind of go left field on this one. Um, we'll leave it more, We'll leave it blank, but it's going to be the recruit or the probie uh, that you can see from day one that this person is going to be special. Ooh. I like the answer. I really do because you're looking at Yeah, I actually like that answer. Absolutely. There it is. And with time to spare, <laughs> eight seconds to spare. John Norman, Brunacini, Bill Gustin, and I really like it because it, it keeps you in a proactive mode of looking for them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah. Raymond Big Black said, Max. I can't <laughs> even count the number of A's there. Max out. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, final question. The question. The question has never changed. It is heavy fire. There is searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to that nozzle or first in on VES? Put me on the nozzle. I'll take a quote from uh, one of my instructors, um, and that is, I know the the VIS is scoring a touchdown, but somebody's got to block. So I'll block. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with doing the dirty work. I love it. And absolutely max points across the board. Ah, dude, I absolutely love it. Five for five, max points, easy max points. Uh, Absolutely crushed the five questions for firefighters, version 3.2. And there you go, according to Reginald McKnight. And that officially makes it 216 scraps in the books. My brother, Reggie McKnight, what an amazing evening. First of all, thank you for sharing your evening with me and the audience. But if someone wants to get a hold of you, reach out to you, uh, get, you know, pick your brain. What's the best way to do so? Um, they can email me everything we do in recruit training on the probationary side, man. I'm, I'm willing to share nothing. Um, I own nothing. Um, so uh, you can reach me at Reginald, R E G I N A L D dot McKnight, M C K N I G H T junior J R at Miami dot gov. Love they can, it, man. They can uh, email me there. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Those are, you want to find my Instagram page? Just my name. And like I told you earlier before we started, my grandmother was big on, hey, make sure uh, you use your name and make sure everybody remembers your name. So I don't, I don't have like alias and stuff like that. Close as alias I got is uh, Reggie. So uh, you can find me on there as well. And like I said, man, I'm willing to share any and everything. Love it. And I, I try to, I try to sprinkle in the Reginalds in case when you grandma <laughs> watches. Uh, all right. Everybody needs to go to firehousevigilance.com. You need to be a vigilante. Go join. It's five bucks a month, and you, or you can sign up for a year at a time. They they get to ask uh, whatever questions they desire, and it leads to some good discussion. Uh, man, the vigilante shop is almost set up. The vigilante only shop. It's the new hats, the new shirts, all that stuff. If you want to, the exclusive merch and the exclusive Cool Kids Club, go become a part. Uh, the shop will go live as soon as everything comes in. It's all been ordered. Uh, so go be a part. Next week, it is the one and only Brian Crush. He is coming back on the scrap. Super excited about that. Followed the week after by Lieutenant Ray Mack, Uncle Ray, Ray McCormick coming on. He's talking about a new nozzle that needs to be discussed. We need some discussion about it. Uh, moving into the final quarter of 2023, it's absolutely crushing it, man. Reggie, Reggie tonight, Brian, and then Ray McCormick. It's just like it's absolutely <laughs> crushing it. Vigilantes, I will post a link in the in the private group for the after party. Reggie has agreed to come on and be roasted by everybody. So we'll, we will see you in there. Um, as soon as the scrap ends, I'll post the link. Go register. Uh, yeah, my brother, Reginald McKnight, thank you so much for being a phenomenal guest. 
and sharing your evening with us and the audience. Uh, thank you, man. Again, I, I truly appreciate the uh, the platform uh, you gave me tonight, man. I, I I think your answers brought value to the fire service, plain and simple, man. And the mm-hmm. audience, audience, you make the scrap magical. You ask the best questions. You threw good, hard curveballs at Reggie at times, and then some nice soft tosses that he could crush. So it was, it was it was a it was great. You make the scrap magical. I can't ever say thank you enough for tuning in live. Remember, mutts don't scrap. I hope the tones stay silent unless it is burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the weekly scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.